0: Sportsnet 590,
1: The Fan. Really happy, really excited to be here and to, to, you know, to be traded, but then move somewhere, like, you know, come here and come home, it's a great feeling. Immediately I was
0: happy, you know, I grew up, wrapped this fan all my life, so to to come here and put this jersey on, it's gonna be great.
1: Today was a lot of fun, man. Getting you know, the win. Um, and just the way we started the game, lots of energy uh, carried us out you know, throughout the game. They made a push, they made a run, and, and we were able to, to, to stay strong and, and get the dub. So that was, that was
0: very important. Like I said, I'm the hometown kid, and just coming in and, and like I said, trying to, trying to get a win for the fans, um, trying to win for the country. So, that yeah, felt great. I feel great as well. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan band, and it's Brent Gunning. Happy New Year, Brent. Uh, uh, Happy, that, that of course, was RJ Merritt, But yeah, Happy New Year. I, I stepped on the scale this morning. Have oh, you done that? No. God,
1: no. Why would Ever? I do that? Uh, not in a long time. I feel like a doctor made me do it once upon a time, but
0: <laughs> not since then. Why? No. You, you didn't want to gauge exactly. You didn't want a number figure as, as far as how much you, you gorged and imbibed mm. over the week and a half that we've been off, like over the Christmas break? No, I mean, I, because I, I have a number, I have a, f- for myself. Okay, do you want to? Do you want to share? It's three pounds. Oh, like, okay. Is that a lot over a week and a I half? I don't
1: know because I don't have a standing. Here's a, here's here's what I know regarding my my weight. Uh, about about ten to twenty lbs more than a need. That's what <laughs> okay, I got. Okay, yeah. it's like I don't. I have I. The last time I remember having like a fighting weight. If yeah. you will, and I wasn't doing this intentionally, but I think it was like subconsciously. No, I was not fighting. But oh. leading up to my wedding, you could I was have in, uh, No, definitely not. I was lean, mean, not fighting machine. You were, you were in good shape I for was, your wedding I was because run, I wasn't. I, I don't want to overstate this. I was not yoked and shredded and doing like you know, hanging from my knees, chin up, sit up type things. I, I can't even describe exercises. Yeah. That's what a shape you I You weren't
0: am. like John claude Van Damme no, with the two feet de- on, like the the two chairs, you know, doing the splits. I will say more flexible than you would think for for me. I touched my toes the other day without it hurting
1: the back of my knees. So go. Yeah, just not, not to brag, but here mm. we are in 2024 mm. now. Uh, but no, I was going for runs all the time, uh, and I know that because if I try to put on the custom-made dress shirt mm-hmm. I got for my wedding, Uh She's not going on. Mm. So, yeah, I know it's, it's weird.
0: I'm counter to that. Like, that, that may have been my heaviest ever when I look back <laughs> on wedding photos. <laughs> so, obviously, it was not a motivating factor for me. Um, but, yeah, I put on three pounds because I ate a lot of food, uh, drank a lot of booze. But now, now we're back. You, we're, we're, we're back in the saddle. You here. know what I'm going to do for you? What? Uh, I'm going to step on ye old
1: scale, and I'll try to remember to do it. <laughs> Uh, you don't have the, to do no, that. No, don't I'm, do it for no, my sake. No, no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way. You wanted to know how much you gained for, over the holidays, again. Yeah. I could not even begin to tell you. It's like, what's my standing weight? I don't know, heavy. Mm. But I I'm gonna step on the scale, and then I'm gonna try to remember to step on it at the end of 2024, just oh to see what God. happens. And really, it's like, hey, Toronto Maple Leafs, this is all. Uh, pointed to you, because they're such a big indicator of my stress and happiness and everything in my Okay, life, so, so the
0: worse the Leafs do, do you think the less you're going to weigh? Uh, or the, it, it, I, Maybe you're going to weigh more, because you're going to yeah, eat I think, more? I
1: think more. I I genuinely worry that if uh, if if the Leafs ever make a, a run of sorts, I'm going to look like Christian
0: Bale <laughs> in some role he's taken oh, on. See, yeah. to, you're the movie the guy. The machinist.
1: That was the one that I had in my head, he but I didn't want to get it wrong. For like
0: uh, three months, his meals every day consistently of an apple and a cigarette, I yeah, believe. I, well, I mean, I've eaten <laughs> less during Leafs playoff runs. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Leafs, by the way, last yeah, time we'll I was there. on on the on the the radio waves mm. was uh, Thursday. Bef- oh, so yeah. it was the the twenty mm-hmm. first. It was the the Leafs game the in Buffalo. Where I was debating as to whether I should take my son, I oh did.
1: I took. So I, I, started. I almost called you for the last block of that show on Friday. Yeah. to do a little just I, like I, mental I, health check sure. on, on
0: all of the boys. No, it was it was great. He, he that was his favorite moment of of the break. It wasn't even the start of his break. He had to go to school the next day. But <laughs> no, it was. He didn't care that they put up nine on uh, Ilya Samsonov and Martin Jones. Might, Martin mm-hmm. Jones ended up giving up more mm-hmm. goals in that game than Ilya Samsonov. But that was the beginning of the end. Yes, I mean, since we, myself and my yeah. son, witnessed the Toronto Maple Leafs game, they've been uh, in the dumper pretty mm-hmm. uh, severely. We'll get to them in a second. Sure. But we got to start with the Raptors. There's a lot to get to. A lot of ground to you cover, were start, cover over the week and a half of we I thought off. you were
1: going to say Kiermaier, but I'm proud of
0: you. Yes, Raptors are the lead. Oh, no, we'll get to that Oh, as we well. will. It's I big. Mean, People are happy. Blue Jays made some moves, Yeah, oh. which I mean brought back a guy that nobody anticipated them bringing back, and then another... Guy that was in the division, but some warm bodies, man, not exactly great. Anyways, don't distract. Uh, <laughs> Raptors did something of more significance, by which I mean they brought in the third overall selection from a couple of years ago. Mm. Mississauga own R.J. Barrett, along with Emmanuel, quickly. For OG Ananobi, Precious Chua, uh, Malachi Flynn, they also get the Pistons' second-round pick in this upcoming draft, which is basically a first-round pick. the end of the first round, so the first round um, and it's a non-guaranteed contract. So it's, it's all well and good. Uh, both OG uh, and the rest of the Raptors, except for Malachi Flynn, who didn't get into that game, uh-huh. made his debut yesterday for the Knicks in a game that was on Sportsnet. And the, the Raptors' new guys made their debut. Uh-huh. So we... We're professionals. We watch all the Raptors games. Yes. Got to say, it was not a joyful experience no. this season, right? It was kind of a carryover from a season ago in which they ended up with 41 wins, ended up losing in a play-in tournament game. It was just, there's reason to to see if, you know, Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam can put forth an incredible effort individually, but just as a unit, just 48 minutes of nothing awe-inspiring. I think those days are behind us. I am now excited mm-hmm. to watch Raptors games. Now, yesterday was not a Picasso by any stretch of the imagination. There were some uh, some shots missed late in that game by the Cavs that that changed mm-hmm. the perspective. But they also made a bunch of, of, uh, of tough threes before that to, to put themselves back mm-hmm. in the lead in the fourth quarter. But holy cow, Brent. I'm back in on the Raptors. Man, it is amazing what, not just the trade that we've all been waiting for,
1: and I don't even think this was the trade everyone was waiting for. I think people were were more... I don't know that it was more likely that OG was to be dealt, but I think people were more hopeful of the Siakam trade because that seemed like the bigger sea change moment. But this OG trade here, it just gives the Raptors a new look and not in the sense of, okay, there's one more piece that, you know, uh, because of injuries and health, he wasn't really a part of the title team, but one more piece of the title team is gone. And you kind of look at it that way. But the other part of it is that this is finally a Raptors team that has some versatility. All we have heard for the better part of three four years now is vision six nine everyone on the team is going to be six foot nine and can handle it a little bit and can shoot it a little bit but ultimately it's versatility no they finally have some guys who are in spots that they need they've needed guards that can do things on this team and you know we make it when the headlines first come out it's the og and ob trade and rj barrett's coming here it's the quickly trade right Right now from the Raptors perspective here, what he was able to do in that game, just having another guy who can create, take some of the pressure off of Scotty, have a guard that can do something other than be asked to hit some open shots or, or just kind of tread water like Malachi Flynn has. That's the thing to me for a team that came into this year saying vibes, vibes, vibes. That's why it's going to be different. That's not the reason why they were better last night,
0: but that was what Sean threw so much to me. There is a vibes component to it. Like, yeah, okay. Can R.J. Barrett uh, finish through traffic? Can he create his own shot? Can he, well, I mean, he hit a three yesterday, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the three-point shooting is kind of a question mark as to because he's been up and down. Uh, throughout his NBA career and throughout uh, this season with a three-point shot. Emmanuel, quickly, can he shoot the three? It seems pretty mm-hmm. clear that he can. He's a 40% career three-point shooter. Can we he? Like can he create off the bounce? Can he be the leader of a, a, a great pick and roll? Yeah, of, of course that's possible, but it's hard not to watch that game yesterday and just see the trickle-down effect of the entire team, just mm-hmm. like the amount of energy that they appeared to play with that was missing for basically the entire season, right? Like it's, 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 that is the first time on a season that was supposed to be such a a heavy banking on the vibe difference between a season ago and this season with a new head coach being the focal point of that for the first time this season, I actually did see a shift in vibes. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know how you can look at it any other way. And I think so much of it is just the. I don't want to put this on OG. Like, I don't think OG has been some problem with the team, but there's been this stasis around everybody going back to not even last year's deadline, but before that of this is the time that the team needs to make a change. Is it going to happen? And I think we've all just been sitting here waiting, waiting, waiting for it to happen. And the players, they're professionals. They're not going to sit here and say, yeah, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but they know they're forget about what they read, what they pay attention to, the podcast that they go on with each other and talk about forget about all that. It's like they've played in the league long enough. they understand the way this works. they know something needed to give, and the fact that it finally does, you could just see everybody yeah. playing so much freer last
0: night. I don't know if it was necessarily like everybody was sitting around waiting for the trade to come, and everybody's on like tenter hooks mm-hmm. like playing for themselves because yep. they understand they're going to be shipped out of town, but I think you know, players aren't stupid. No, they, they see it more than we do because they live it. Yes. This this was not a fun team to play on. Mm-hmm. We've heard that explicitly from Fred Van Vliet who no longer plays on this team. Mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder, you yeah. know, had a quote a couple of days ago about the lack of chemistry that, that exists within this, this unit. Yeah, they needed a shakeup more just from a vibes perspective mm-hmm. than, than an actual basketball perspective. Now, that being said, the basketball side of it looks Very pretty nice. good. Like, it's the potential... Of this thing looking real good from a basketball perspective, uh, I, I think, is a high probability. Again, like yesterday, not a Picasso by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you can understand that with a couple of guys who have very limited reps mm-hmm. with their new team, by which I mean, like, not a single practice. Yeah. But to me, this is an easy math equation. Because, I was, like, okay, OGN and OB, you know, all... Defense, all NBA defense type player, a guy that could one day maybe win a Defensive Player of the Year and and a great oh, especially, a three. And especially D. now, oh, and he had a great debut for the Knicks as well. And it's weird, like if you're a Raptors fan, are you rooting for OG Ananobi to succeed in New York D- despite the fact that that's a, a rival in conference? Mm. Uh, I, I I did like in watching that game. I did, I was kind of rooting for him. For yeah. maybe the 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 I th- you know digging deep and trying to understand why that was happening. I think it was because OG Ananobi, Well, you know, people understand who he is. He is kind of like the hidden gem, oh, yeah. right? Like the people don't necessarily believe in in the narrative that comes out of Toronto that this guy is one of the most valuable players mm-hmm. and could be like the glue guy on a championship level team. To see him succeed in the early going in New York, anyways, I did find myself rooting for him. But here's the math equation. Mm-hmm. That makes this trade make sense. Okay, OG Ananobi, very good player, mm-hmm. right? Like, he is a good player. You were happy to see him on the court when he was here in Toronto. can confirmed. confirm. Precious Achua is like, okay, moments. every once in a while. Yeah. But, like, who got geeked up for Precious Achua moments? Malachi Flynn, like, at points was in the rotation. I think we understand what he is. You took one good player and you turned him into two good players. Mm-hmm. Now, is... Are R.J. Barrett or Emmanuel quickly individually better than O.G. Ananobi? It's debatable, mm-hmm. but maybe not. But those are what this Raptors team needs: is more good yep. players. You took one, you doubled the amount of good players. You took one, and now you have two, and the trickle down effect is in, is in, incredible, right? Now you got Dennis Schroder coming off the bench, you got Gary Trent Jr. coming mm-hmm. off the bench. Just everybody gets moved down the pecking order a little bit. It just it makes a ton of sense. The Raptors just increase the number of good players they have.
1: You look at last night, the minutes, and yeah, it's a tight game. You're going to have a bit of a tighter bench, and especially with new players getting worked in, maybe things look a little different as they have time to develop chemistry. But they play nine guys in total. Boucher plays 11 minutes, Thad Young plays two. This is a Nick Nurse rotation you saw last night, yeah. and this is with the two extra yeah, body. Pascal or, played or the, 40 was one, like stands out. Man. The one extra body, to your point, the, the turning one into two, it's the math that this team needs to do. It's the reason why. you know We have talked about the roster construction and the fit, and to Pascal and Scotty. do they work together? Is there enough other things on this team other than versatile wings? But the other part of it as well is just, to your point, it's been a issue for this team. There are not enough quality players. And, you know, even a guy like Gary Trent Jr., you do wonder, you know, not to put this all on him because this trade is far from about him, but there was such a bullseye on him because... And, you know, not say that quickly he can shoot it, obviously, Barrett. That's a little more of a question mark with him. But it was such a focus that, okay, Gary, you're the only guard of consequence coming off the bench. We're really on this team outside of outside of Schroeder for the, for the most part there. So you just take the pressure off of those guys as well. And then I think the other part of this is that you needed an injection of something new, of some life. That was Scotty Barnes a couple of years ago. And we saw the leap that he took this year to start the season. And that was the signs of something building. But you needed the injection of life that these guys provided you, and you saw it. I mean, what was it, the first bucket of the game, second bucket of the game? It's Barrett to quickly, and and he he hits the open three. Like, it is just so encouraging to see these guys be able... Obviously, those two are going to have some chemistry, but just the fact that you now have players that can give you a different element that just hasn't been on this team for, for so, so long. Like, I don't want to overstate it, but, I mean, since the title team, you... you there's not being guards like this in this group. Like, yes, Fred Van Vliet has been nice, but quickly has the possibility to be, I don't want to say head and shoulders. I don't want to overstate it because Van Vliet was incredible in that title run, but he has possibility to be the best guard this team has seen since prime Kyle Lowry.
0: Yeah, it's funny. For a, a trade involving a 2019 3rd overall selection, a Canadian kid, a Mississauga mm-hmm. native, like a, a fixture on the Canadian national totally. team, it does... Feel like the focus is and rightly on Emmanuel quickly, uh, considering what this Raptors team needs. Uh he is not under contract for next he's a mm-hmm. restricted free agent. The Raptors are gonna give him whatever he wants and magic. Like he's gonna be a yeah. Raptor for a long time. And these are guys both in their early twenties. But yeah, the RJ Barrett of it all. Sorry. Like
1: quickly on the quickly contract yeah. part of it all. It was it what like I do believe that he wants to be here. I think the Toronto, you know, we're past the for the most part, though, well, I can't get ESPN up there. But I, too, would be ecstatic if I was playing on a team that was humming and hawing about giving me 130 some million dollars, yeah. and I got traded to a team that will now – be dying to give me 130-some-odd million Right, dollars.
0: he doesn't get to play in the Mecca anymore, but he gets a yeah. start. Like, yeah. clearly this is a step forward in Emmanuel Quickly's Massive. career, right, yep. behind Jalen Brunson, who's emerged as a star in, in well, and, New York.
1: And Devlin made the point last night, like, you look at who his running mate was in college. It's been Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And he is. they've both been in this same spot for the last, well, I should say that they both started in the same spot of, ooh, this is a nice piece. What can they do? And then you've seen what Maxey's oh. been able to do with the extended run. And not to say that He's going to turn into Maxi because wouldn't that be a great way to get back the Kyle Lowry trade that maybe well, never was? But I mean, th- it's not I, lost on me.
0: Uh, Blake Murphy wrote a great piece on this a couple of weeks ago about the type of players that could be targeted in trade by the Raptors because it's not necessarily draft picks, right? Like, this is not a team that mm-hmm. needs to be selecting. I mean, it's uh, it's always nice to have lottery picks, I suppose. But, yeah, th- this is a team that already has Scotty Barnes. It just needs more better players. Mm-hmm. And the type of players, and I don't think Quickly was in there, but the type of player you're looking at is somebody who's got the potential to become a star that their opportunity is not allowing them to maximize their full potential. So th- this is exactly what we're talking about in Quickly, a guy who's, I don't think, started a single game this season, started 20-some-odd yeah. a season ago. But who shoots it well from deep? Uh, obviously, has the, the skills to be a starting mm-hmm. guard uh, in the NBA. Anyways, so he that that's all well and good, and that's yep. great. And I think most basketball observers would look at quickly the quickly part of it as the the key part of this trade, which is crazy. But we're talking about a guy again, 2019 mm-hmm. NBA draft selected third overall, and I think when that happened, and he went to the Knicks, a lot of people did the thing as we often do with potential. Raptor trade targets or or free agent targets is like think about oh when would the timeline work out for the Raptors mm-hmm. to to bring R.J. Barrett home, and it's it it it's happened. Mm-hmm. It's it's under weird circumstances because he hasn't exactly lived up to the potential of being the third overall selection. The guys selected ahead of him have obviously had more impact at different times, mm-hmm. and and John Morant and Zion Williamson, but he's not been bad. Mm-hmm. And it's also a signal, I think, Brent, and we'll talk to Michael Grange about this at 7.30, that the Raptors are interested in, hey, it's not going to be the overriding factor, but I I think it's pretty clear that the Raptors are interested as he becomes the eighth Canadian to ever play for this franchise. They are interested in being the team that does target Mm -hmm. the Canadian stars in the league, of which there are now many.
1: I think there's something to that, but I also don't want to overstate what that is. I think that if if Emmanuel quickly forget doesn't exist, but if he is a a lesser player, they're not making this deal just to get RJ Barrett in here. And obviously quickly is a massive part of the return. There would have to be something else. But let's say let's say the Knicks and you know, I understand it's the NBA and salaries have to match up, but just live in this world with me for two seconds here. Let's say the Knicks are saying, Hey, Barrett. Couple futures do that. I don't think they'd pull the trigger on that deal because I think they want to improve now. Yes, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I think they want to have Canadian players on the team, but I don't I think they I guess the best way to put it is that they have the proper view on it, in my opinion, that they understand the value of it. They mm. understand how important it is. We have seen it here before with Canadians who are beloved. This one is different though in that it doesn't feel nobody just, even close no, to this level. Though. Nothing. Nothing close to it. I have
0: the list of the, yeah, of the other seven Canadians that please. have played for this franchise. Shout
1: out Jamal McGlure.
0: Yeah, big cat. Uh 2011, 2012. He he played for the Raptors. Corey Joseph played like a not insignificant that was, part of that was a, that a was a relatively, team from 15 and 17.
1: That was a relatively big homecoming. Like the fact that he was a champion coming here, that felt something. Again. Not like this, but that felt like a bit of a moment for sure.
0: Yeah, he might be the guy with the the biggest impact, unless you think Chris Boucher is it because he's also one of them. Uh, outside of those guys, it's Kem Birch, Anthony Bennett, mm-hmm. O'Shea Br- Brissett, mm-hmm. a guy that they probably have some regrets about mm-hmm. uh, letting him walk out the door, and Delano Benton. Yep. Like, we're, we're th- that's the list, right? We're talking about nobody of any consequence. Yep. Like, no, no offense to to any of those players who at moments uh, mm-hmm. played a role um and Chris Boucher is part of the rotation right yeah. now but like we're talking about a guy who's what at 23 years old yep. a third round or a third overall selection from just four years ago now and a guy that has not yet realized his potential mm-hmm. yeah I I it is the most significant. Canadian who's ever put on a Raptors uniform in this franchise's history?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all did the we all did the Steve Nash pipe dream back in the day. At least it felt like one at the time, and you know, based on what we've read, maybe maybe it it always was. You brought it up, I think, in one of your last shows before you took an extra day of vacation uh, to yeah. end the holiday break. How dare you? For shame! Uh, but the you brought it up the idea of Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis Alexander. I told you I was worried that it was going to be Jamal Murray when injuries catch
0: up to him, and, you know, I think... Well, this is it, like, and I, I did, like, kind of the... I threw the yeah. red meat to the did Wolves you? on, I on X, you know. This yeah. is the step one of a three-step plan, right? Mm. R.J. Barrett one, Jamal Murray two, SGA three, which is obviously, like, we're talking about players who yes. are of different value than R.J. Barrett, who's shown flashes, and I think most Nick fans will tell you they like R.J. Barrett, yeah. right? Like, it hasn't been... As successful as you could have maybe hoped, but mm-hmm. I, I think that was a, a player that yeah, most Nick fans didn't dislike, nope. didn't view as like a mistake or anything. Um, but yeah, Jamal Murray won a championship as mm-hmm. <laughs> hit some pretty big shots a season ago. Shea gilchrist Alexander could win an MVP award. But that's it. Like I I do wonder what this signals to the to the broader NBA world that, hey, this is this is something we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And hey. You know Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis Alexander, who will be playing with R.J. Barrett this summer mm-hmm. in Paris, mm-hmm. trying to win an Olympic medal. Hey, look at us! Like look, look, look at how welcoming we are mm-hmm. to our Canadian brethren. Look at the type of success, the type of attention you can get if you do return home at some point. If if you, I don't know, end up in a circumstance that that allows you to to make your exit from the places you currently are in and those franchises. Like, it's not happening anytime soon, but it, it, I, I wonder if this is a long-term plan. Like, I, I just, I would wonder what the long-term thinking is and whether it entered the equation at all for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster.
1: I think it was a piece of the puzzle, but I think it was a relatively small one. The other The other important part of this, I think, though, and this is not all that dissimilar to the situation Barrett was in with the Knicks, but I think it's more important here than it was in New York, is the idea that he could just fit in no one's at best best case scenario he's the third banana on this team right go back and listen everything we just said about quickly for the first 15 minutes of the show so he's probably the fourth if we're gonna just go down the pecking order here you know the see trade potentially changes all that for sure it's a great point but he could just fit in he could just be a player and if you look at the success he has had go back to the fiba world cup that we talked about he's fine in that tournament he's okay he had his moments but he had could some you, really down moments yeah, as well in that. He, he tournament. Did. But guess what? He was asked, look at the pecking order place he took on that team. Mm-hmm. It was kind of SGA. And, you know, Dylan Brooks was incredible. I'm not taking anything away from him, but from an offensive standpoint, they needed Barrett. And he was he was asked and put in a spot that he's not going to be put in on this Raptors team. If he continues to develop, if he continues to grow, he could certainly demand more of the ball and be that type of player. The other part of this as well is just the if there is a Siakam trade to come, that it potentially opens up even more of a role for Barrett here. Because you look at it now, the players that you've got. you got Barnes and Quickly is kind of a pick-and-roll combo, the big forward. And then Barrett could kind of be your slasher type. Those three pieces fit together, and especially if Barrett's going to be your third banana. And again, who knows what happens with Siakam? Who knows if there's a trade there? But I think that's the best part of this, is that it is a... You know, everyone's going to kill me because I always bring everything back to the lease. But it's the Babcock. Like, they're going to make it safe. This isn't them coming in here, handing them the car keys and saying, go lead us to the playing round by some miracle. They're not doing that. He is just a piece of the puzzle here. And I think that is the part of it yeah. that is most encouraging. Triples if this makes is it some. Safe. Yeah, if this yeah. is some. <laughs> If this is some, if this is some master plan to get well, no, SGA
0: did, or whatever, yeah, he doesn't wear the pressure of being the third overall no. selection. And I understand, like the pecking order of the Knicks too. He like he was third banana, He evolved into that role behind Randall um, and Brunson. But yeah, he he just he, he arrives in Toronto with a ready made pecking order of clearly this team being built around Scottie Barnes and clearly Pascal Siakam being a key component, the last key component of the championship uh, team. Um, that yeah, he's number three, as you mentioned. Yep. The, the, the most opti- optimistic outlook. It's uh, anyway, it's just a breath of fresh mm-hmm. air that you can look at the Raptors game on and, on the schedule. If it's you know just the Raptors alone, there's no Leaf game, and you're like, oh, it's mm-hmm. the Raptors. Whereas before, you'd be like, I tune in out of obligation, and maybe this is gonna be the Scotty Barnes game. But right. my God, this is a, a tough watch. Mm-hmm. I I can't tell you the difference it it, it makes to me. From just a personal mm-hmm. perspective to have totally. something worth watching with this Raptors team, and what that is, and like what the ceiling is like we can debate, and you know what the future holds for this team as we approach the trade deadline in February. Mm-hmm. another question, considering that this is a trade consummated more than a month out of the trade deadline, does that impact the decision making in the upcoming games and a six game road trip through some pretty tough locales upcoming, like does that impact the decision making? around Pascal Siakam. We'll talk to Michael Grange later on in the program about that. It's just, again, just good that we have more exciting sporting viewing options mm-hmm. going forward. No offense to previous Raptors team that, you know, mm-hmm. lost to the, the 28 straight loss Pistons and all. No, a lot of offense. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that yet <laughs> you know, today. Well, I mean, it's also I know, a weird I know. one because they were shorthanded, right? Did, but, no, not and, and <laughs> weird because shorthanded. And they on the back end of back to back. Abject
1: failure <laughs> but guess what that team doesn't even exist anymore this is now no. the quickly raptors so uh who, who even it's, knows it's
0: nah. weird that yeah like they were rebirthed after that game in the first game of the new year too yeah it just feels like a, a the dawn of a brand new day with this raptors team it, it really does and
1: uh we we've mentioned him twice i i venture to guess this will be the last time we do it today so i just wanted to to say this um Let's all light a candle out there for, for Malachi Flynn. You know, he escaped the shackles of Nick Nurse, of a mean man just going, oh, would you play some defense and play harder? And then he gets a little breath of air in Coach Darko's system. And something some tells me Coach Tibbs not going to be overly loving of, of Malachi Flynn. Well, I feel like I, there's a bit of a Venn
0: diagram that's I, a
1: circle with him and Nick Nurse there. I think...
0: There, yeah. It, it might for be Tom that he's not Thibodeau good. Yeah. is going to do like the Don Draper meme like I don't think about you at all cuz like I don't think we're going to no. see Malachi
1: Flynn. That's why just again, at like, all. you know, uh re- remember him fondly
0: or yeah. just try to remember yeah. him cuz you'll you'll be doing a lot of oh hey, look, look at him sitting there in well, a, in a track suit. uh coming up next, we'll do some reminiscing about the Ilya Samsonov uh tenure as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs cuz it feels like uh, he gone. Uh he is physically he's he's well not gone from the city. He's in He's with the Marlies now. Uh, although I don't know if that's been officialized. He has cleared waivers. Yeah. Uh, Maple Leafs start their California road trip tonight in L.A. against the Kings at 1030. Because Disgusting. There's uh, absolutely no regard for people who do morning radio. Anyways, we'll talk about the, the Leafs' uh, goaltending situation and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Bourne. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on
1: Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 9, 590, the fan, Ben Adams, Brent Gunning. Successful holiday for me, my okay. family. Yep. My Going children. My my children got a, a PS five, which was the centerpiece of the holidays, obviously for them. And all I wanted was a good reaction. And you, you got her. Yeah. I don't know if I, I tweeted out the video or the picture. I know oh, my, I, my wife I just did saw on, on Instagram. Instagram yeah. The picture. Yeah, my my five-year-old's eyeballs like they may be he may have done permanent damage i was gonna to say his, have they
1: retreated back into his skull yet <laughs> no. not that you don't have but i realize that's rude to say but you understand what i'm getting yeah, yeah
0: beautiful family beautiful kids you know yeah that. but the, yeah his yeah he he gave it to us like he did the thing that we wanted man all we wanted was to see a child lose oh, his goddamn mind you. which he did he screamed so loud he started coughing. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, oh, that's one of very these good. one of these days we're gonna have to tell him like, yeah, it's time to take a break from uh, the mm-hmm. PS Five. But yeah, they're, they're still in the honeymoon I, phase. I texted you when I saw that picture, and I just said,
1: I hope you and your boys enjoy the carpal tunnel
0: you yeah. will be giving yourself uh, uh, over over the holiday. Yeah, and the uh, the eight year old is big time into NHL twenty four. Uh, which is good. Uh, eventually, good luck to him in his he- career mode. Just let him
1: as a as an occasional career mode dabbler. Yeah. Uh, not so much now, but in past iterations of my life, you know, just wish him good
0: luck. I know it can be a grind. He was excited to be drafted by uh, Chicago yesterday. Oh, so, okay, yeah. good um, for him. He's but he's afraid to play me one on one. Yeah, That's as he that, should be. Yeah, it's coming up in the in the in the coming months. Anyways, uh, speaking of National Hockey League. Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they stink right now, or mm. do they just have a goaltending yeah,
1: problem? I think you hit it on the
0: nail the second time. Uh, so Ilya Samsonov is no more. I think it was pretty clear that that was going to be the end of him in Columbus. That that they could not, they could mm-hmm. not go another start, trying to see if there was some semblance of the guy that had a near 920 save percentage and was the better goalie between he and Andre Vasilevsky over six games in the playoffs last season. That guy's gone.
1: Well, and there is also, I want to put this to bed. There is no truth to the rumor that the Leafs asked the cannon to be pointed at him midway oh, hey, through the game. God, I would how just right like to point that out.
0: when we talked about, like, when the the next start could be for him, mm-hmm. That like, the cannon mm-hmm. thing. Luke. Luke put it in our brains. <laughs> could factor in, and holy cow, I mean, they they get a point out of that game and and it hasn't always been this way that you you can see the smelly goals but for Ilya Samsonov you can see the smelly goals quite mm-hmm. often and there's usually more than one uh again it started with me and and my child going to buffalo yes, to, right. to to see him part of the the nine goals against debacle mm-hmm. uh he departs toronto if we are to never see him again having one of the worst stretches in Leafs history mm-hmm. from a goaltender, and this is a franchise that has recently had Michael Hutchinson. Like his mm-hmm. Michael Hutchinson's career save percentages in Maple Leafs is just slightly below nine hundred. This season, in the fifteen games he played, Samson Samsonov with an eight sixty two save percentage. Like Oof. it's almost imp- it's impossibly bad how bad he has been this season. And best of luck to him. he's a young fella he's a former first round pick. He does. Yeah, You root for him. He's got a young family. Yeah. Is it not easy to go like back to back contract years? And mm-hmm. obviously the, there's a mental component that is not working out. Uh, maybe he can refine his game at the American hockey league level and maybe somewhere down the line, maybe as early as next season, he can find himself back in the national hockey league. But for this year, it, it's hard to imagine him factoring in again, Brent. I would love to
1: sit here and agree with you. I would love oh to sit God. here and say you're 1000% right. I think you're, probably going to be right about this. I think Goldies are genuinely voodoo. And if you're asking me, is he going to play five more games for this team or zero more games? I'm probably trending the way you are, but Dennis Hildeby is lurking as the backup right now. I don't think they want to put him in the game. They're going to have to make a choice with that. They have a back-to-back here, but we've seen this in the past where the Leafs have kind of treaded water and said, okay, we're going to have a guy dress as the backup, but we're not going to actually play him. And then you're in a scenario where you're just giving Martin Jones the ball. You know, I know everyone's looked at the trade targets. We'll talk to Frank about it. Unless you're making a big, big move, you're going to get a guy to help you tread water. I still think in their heart of hearts, they want to find a way for him to turn this around. But the thing that makes it impossible to see in that regard is that, you know, Frege mentioned this on 32 Thoughts from yesterday that apparently Samsonov is having... Incredible, good, great practices where that doesn't look like. That's the problem, though. If he was swimming in practice, you'd say, okay, this is a technical thing. Send him to Jamaica for a week. Get him to clear his head. But the fact that he's able to perform in the low-stakes environment of practice, that is the way more concerning thing than just a quote-unquote goalie who's lost it. One last thing also. You mentioned Hutchison. He's the guy we always throw out there, rightfully so. Even Jonas Enroth, in his six games yeah. as a Leaf, had a better save
0: percentage than what Samsonov has given you this year. How Jonas many Jonas Enroth. Enroths equal one Dennis Hildeby? Because, like, what is he? He's, like, six. One and a six, half, right? Yeah, six-seven. yeah, Six-seven! Yeah. Six, well, so this is He him. can play for the Raps. Besides, sees him lurking around the buildings. He's going, hmm, can he not shoot? I need him. This is – it's a small sample size for Dennis Hildeby. Like, in professional hockey, it's a small sample size. But he's, he's a fourth-round pick. He's mm-hmm. a guy with – you know – expectations of one day reaching the national hockey league level. And you look at the raw numbers put up between he and Martin Jones. Like there was no comparison between the two at the American hockey league. He was outplaying them by a ton. Like one of the best young goalies in the American league. Like I've I've been looking at the game logs recently. It hasn't been trending in a, in a a good direction, but he was off to such a tremendous start that the, the save percentage is still at nine twenty in the American league. This is a guy that, yeah, you, you, you're thinking about the future for, Mm -hmm. for sure. But there's a pressing need right now. Where are you on the idea that a prospect, especially at that position, mm-hmm. you can undo some of the great work creating the, the 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 potential with that prospect by putting him in a bad situation, bad environment?
1: I think a bad environment is different when it, in terms of are things spiraling? Is it a big spot for him versus a bad environment than what we saw with – the Edmonton Oilers earlier this year where it was leaky. And yes, they couldn't get a save, but the team in front of it was playing horrendously, quite frankly. And, you know, I don't think the Leafs are painting a bunch of Picassos lately, but I think they've been a fine. I think the Leafs have played fine hockey games. I look at that game against Carolina. I thought they pushed. I know you're giving me eyes. No, I agree with you. Okay, okay. You're giving me eyes like you disagree. I, I think they have pushed, they pushed, they pushed. This is a team that if they get... It's it's funny. We made fun of the Grant fear of it all earlier, earlier when we were talking about this. It's like they don't need 100 yeah. saves. They just need one more than yeah. they've been getting. So I think there is some element of you can put a kid in that spot and not ruin him. If this was a porous Leafs team that was giving up odd man rushes left, right, and center, I think you have to be very hesitant to do that. But because this group is playing a little differently, the other thing I think you also have to ask, and they have proven the ability to do this is – can you do the Carolina Hurricanes, David Ayers thing of, okay, we have a kid. We have a literal child back there. He's taller than all of us, God, but he's a literal they child. They were kind Can of we doing in? that in Columbus. This Holy is the, cow. This like this they is score the a bunch of
0: goals, but they – like, you were limiting chances. Yes. How many shots in the first period did they allow to the Blue Jackets? like five. Mm-hmm. It was sub 20 for the entire freaking game, and he gives up six goals.
1: And this is why I think it is not a ruining him opportunity or, or a chance for him to be ruined. If this was a team that, and we've seen versions of this Leafs team before, where it is just a track meet, and it's up and down, it's left, right, center, and you're getting odd man chances and high danger chances against you, I don't think you want to do that to the kid. I don't think it is necessarily the end of the world to put him in that spot either. I still think they're probably a little hesitant to the other part of this as well is, I mean, you're not going to see them tonight. Kings are Kings are a good team. They have mm-hmm. cooled down a little bit lately, but that is a lot of people's mm-hmm. cup contender. If not cup favorite, the ducks, that's a little easier game. Maybe that's the spot it's on the West coast. I, I am so torn on what they, what they do here regarding this. Cause you know, I know Martin Jones is long in the tooth, but He's, he's not going
0: to No, b- He's only 33. Well, right? no,
1: but he's not, gonna, that's the thing. He's not going to
0: break if you play him in
1: back-to-back games, but <laughs> that being if said, does, if he does, then, then, then now
0: he- you're talking about, uh oh, Keith Petrozelli and Dennis Hildeby is your one, two. No, like, you're talking quite a thing.
1: You're talking about a Peter Brasic trade. If, if that happens, by oh the my way, God. UFA, I I do. Do you want that? I do have the quick list of goalies that you could, uh, you could maybe get UFA, UFA goalies who are coming up to be UFAs who are on teams that would potentially consider moving, Peter Mrazic, obviously, they'd love to move. He makes three nine nine zero four save. 3.24 GAA. The other ones I was looking at Nadelkovich with the Pens. Now, are they ready to sell on that? Do you want to buy on that? He hasn't looked good at times. He has pretty good numbers this year: 9.24, 2.49 GAA. And then Anthony Stolarz with the with the Flyers. there. 9.18 save. He makes just one one on the cap, 2.05. Now, are the Flyers looking to sell? Or this is the other question I think that's important: is if you're looking to buy. Does it make sense to do your David Riddich trade from three years ago where you're just getting a tread water guy, or does it make sense to go get a goalie? I, yeah.
0: I, I think if you're trading for a goalie, you better be trading for a goalie. You better Capital be getting T. UC Soros or mm. something, right? Because, my God, I mean, could Dennis Hildeby be as good as, as any of those guys? I, I think it's not at all out of the realm of possibility. We're just coming yeah. off a game where – 27-year-old Joey Decord, former seventh-round pick, put up the first shutout in Winter Classic history. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, goaltending is voodoo, unless you got one of the the few rare elite dudes yep. of which you thought maybe Ilya Samsonov was one, but, like, how quickly that can change. Like, why would you give up any trade asset to to go get a guy who's... One of the many lottery picks when it comes or not lottery picks, lottery yeah, yeah, tickets yeah. when it comes to that position.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And, you know, the I suppose the argument the other way would be that if a team is if you're worried that you expose yourself but let's let's say the least play Hill tomorrow night against the Ducks and it goes terribly. The team is porous in front of him. He gets lit up left, right and center. The, there's one school of thought, I suppose, that says, ah, the Leafs are even more over a barrel here in the sense of you need to you need to make a move. It has been proven that you don't have a backup. But again, to go back to 32 thoughts from yesterday, and we'll talk to Frank about this later on in the show, the idea of goalie prices are exorbitant right now. And this isn't just the Leafs being extorted. This is everywhere. Carolina can't make a trade. We've seen what's happening with Edmonton. So I do think there's a world where you, or not a world, you should now that we talked in circles about this, we should give Hill to be—they should give Hill to be the net for one of these games, see what they have there, and try to find a way to tread water until Joe Wall comes back. Does that make sense to you? I
0: mean, that's a, it's a while, right? Like, Joe Wall Mid- is not— Mid-February, yeah, we're it's, it's, it's not something that's ramping up. No, and, it's not on the ice right now.
1: And we can't just assume— he's going to come back and be Joe Wall that we've seen. I think he's going to be. I am confident mm-hmm. in what Joe Wall is a goalie. Or let me let me amend that in a big way. I am as confident as I could possibly be about mm-hmm. a goalie in what Joe Wall will be. But given the limited track record, given this injury, given the long layoff, it is far from a certainty that he's going to come back and... Grab the net again as the number one guy that I think he was before he got hurt.
0: Well, and there's rightly been pointed out a parallel between his development and his initial entree into the NHL and Dennis mm-hmm. Hildeby's potential yep. entree into the NHL. Here's where I'm at with a 22-year-old young goaltending prospect who you hope to one day be a factor at the National Hockey League level, uh, either as a starter or as, you know, as a tandem, maybe as early as next season. It's uh, Joe Wall and Dennis Hildeby as the one-two for the Leafs mm-hmm. in 24-25. In if Dennis Hildeby is going to be broken by a couple of starts in the National Hockey League in which he allows four or five goals, Dennis Hildeby was going to be broken at some point either way. Like, this is the nature of the game. Like, Sorry? Like, it's maybe not an ideal time for you? Yeah. I would argue that it is kind of ideal, especially if you're getting the start. I know back-to-back in you know, California road trip that um, hasn't exactly treated this team super kindly in years previous. No. Different timing as opposed to last year when it happened in October and mm. almost caused Sheldon keep his job. But yeah, that's a Ducks team that you know if Trevor Zekris isn't doing the Michigan, has a tough time scoring. This it's this is pro hockey. This is the nature of it. And whether it happens this year or okay, so what you need what another twenty AHL games and then it's okay yeah. to, to to give you an opportunity at the National Hockey League level. This is what he wants, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe not the ideal circumstances that Brad Treliving would put Dennis Hill to be in. But if that's gonna if that's gonna stop your development being rushed to the National Hockey League level, and I'm not saying... like So that's different than, like, oh, he comes up and doesn't perform well. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about if he comes... If he plays tomorrow against the Ducks and plays poorly, and that's it. Like, we never hear about Dennis Hildeby again. He goes back to the AHL and he's got, like, an 850 save (laughs) as opposed to the 920. No, it's quite possible that it does not go well in his first foray into the National Hockey League. If he goes back down to the AHL and just picks up where he left off and then comes back up again... I, I I think that's a, a reasonable thing to expect. But if it's going to break him... Yep. He was always going to be broken.
1: No, I think that's I think that's a good point. We get so lost, and we talk about this all the time with prospects that we feel more certain about. The idea to have this conversation with Scotty Barnes a million times last year. The idea that progress is just going to be all right. You're you're a good Marlies goalie this year. Then you're a capable backup. Then you're able to get the starters. Now it doesn't always work that way. And you're right. I don't think that I think that if he is going to be broken by that, there is there's some element of throw him in the fire and see what he can handle. The other part of this as well is you know I don't know how much this translates, but I do think this is an encouraging thing is he's got the nine twenty this year at the at the AHL. He also had a nine eighteen last year in a completely different league in Sweden. Both of those are roughly 20 game sample sizes. So you don't want to get overstated as to what that is. But when save percentage are translating across leagues and across continents, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it with that. But I think that's encouraging as well that he's been able to, you know, this isn't a guy who was kind of floundering in Sweden. He did have a rough start when he or he actually performed even better when he first went over there. So this is a guy who has been thrown in a lot of different spots. He went from, you know, he's he's playing he's he's playing in Sweden. He's coming back to North America. This is a guy who's bounced around a bit and proven ability to have things thrown at him. Uh, and the more we talk about this, I need to see him in the net in the net in that Ducks game.
0: Yeah, I'd be excited to see him. He's a large fella, and and seeing just some of the images of practice and his ability to just like look over human bodies, which I love. And, yeah. It's gonna be tough to screen a six foot seven goalie. Um, Chara coming back, maybe. Yeah, probably not. Best of luck to to the Ducks if, in fact, he st- uh, starts tomorrow. All right. Um, I know this happened a while ago, but I haven't had a chance to talk about the the moves that have been made by the Blue Jays. And like manna
1: from heaven, it happened.
0: A while, sort of. Maybe maybe I mean, not. It, it it they were factually roster moves, right? It's a it's a so this is true. It's a. Re-signing. Yeah, I was going to say, one of them's even new. Yeah, so Kevin Kiermeyer signs the one-year, $10.5 million deal. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, two-year, $15 million deal. Like Obviously, there's more to come, so we're not judging this thing in a vacuum here, right? Like, there's... Blue Jays aren't going to go this entire offseason without adding to this offense. They need to do that. They will do that. There's obvious answers offensively for this team. Most of them exist in, like, the DH-type mold, and Ben Nicholson-Smith talking about Jock Peterson, who I like as a platoon. He can't hit lefties. That's fine, though. Like, and you can occasionally get his starts in left field. and there's, you know, just turn it. there's lots of guys that they can add to this team to improve the offense, which is coming. As much as this is unsexy, these two signings, I think it's the correct course of action. Once you missed out on the the big swing of the Shohei Ohtani, which I was all in on, obviously, as we all were, from things nah, for, for the best, for for reasons that that go well beyond baseball. Once that thing passed you by, the idea that you would somehow salvage some some fan sentiment by swinging big at Cody Bellinger who might provide um, a level of offense that would be commensurate with the ginormous contract he's about to sign. But here's my thing on the subject. Probably not. It's going to be a massive overpay. Agreed. And and the reason you would do it are, are mostly optics. Um, no, I'd rather just, and it takes some intestinal fortitude to, to do this. I'd rather just double down on the thing that didn't work out this past season, which is defense. And Kevin Kiermaier was good for this team, like surprisingly good. When the Blue Jays signed Kevin Kiermaier coming off a hip surgery last offseason, considering the type of offense he had provided at the bottom of the order in Tampa, like I did, I was a little dubious of that move. I was wrong. He was great. Had an outstanding season, like one of the best seasons of his entire career. Drove in the run. <laughs> That's right. Drove in the the run and played, what, 130 what games for this team? The run. Played gold glove defense in center field. And, I mean, yeah, he, here's the thing. Very it Very handsome. Also, it, it does. It's like, you don't have to see Dalton Varsha was much, right? Like, mm-hmm. this was, without Wait, bringing on. back Kevin Kiermeyer, Dalton Varsha was the everyday center fielder for this team. And you were like, okay, well, this is like a, I mean, a, a, a souped-up version of Bradley Zimmer, I guess, that we're going to try and trot out here on a, a daily basis, maybe hoping that there's an offensive bounce back. The Isaiah Conner-Falefa of it all was, is a little less encouraging, considering I, I don't, I mean, I I understand the value. Like, he plays all over the place, yeah, and he doesn't break
1: out. That's your Whit Merrifield, right? Like, I, the, sure. Not an apples to apples, but I think that's the way they kind of
0: look at it, right? Yeah. You don't get, I don't think, near the offensive production no, that agreed. you get out of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, but he can play. He, he Listen, I can play center field, too. Mm-hmm. And and maybe there's a platoon partner there with the right-handed bat, Kevin Kiermaier. It's fine, but that's it. That I, I'd rather go, It's it's a fine offseason with those guys as opposed to, well, look, we got Cody Bellinger. Mm -hmm. We spent $200 million on Cody Bellinger. Okay, we didn't get Shoei Otani, but look over here, Cody Bellinger, who, like, makes headlines, and that's a Mm -hmm. good positive news story here for a couple of months leading into spring training. And then he steps on the field, and, and okay, maybe he's, like, a sub-800 OPS guy or, God forbid, the the guy he's been for the two previous years Mm -hmm. before he ended up in Chicago and revived his career, which is not at all out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're doing Cody Bellinger because you're concerned about the optics. The Blue Jays didn't do Cody Bellinger because they don't care about the optics anymore. They just want to create... They want to be as smart as they possibly can with their resources and create the best possible team in 2024. I think this is the correct way to go about it, as opposed to the, the shiny Cody Bellinger object. Yeah, I mean... At the
1: end of the day with baseball there and, you know, I understand that there's CBT and we, you know, we learned way too much about that thanks to Shohei Otani. But at the end of the day, it is only it's only money. This isn't cap space. You know, I wouldn't begrudge them if they wanted to go out and do the I agree with you silly thing. Of getting Cody Bellinger because, hey, there is a world where he helps this team. And I'm, again, I'm with you. I think this is a guy who's going to blow up in their face. They could still have done that, but this is the way more pragmatic way to go about it. To your point, they're not going to be done. And the other thing I think that is important about this move and what it signals. And, you know, not that this is a departure from anything, but what did we hear coming out of the season was, okay, well, you know, the Varsho trade, it didn't work. Everything that happened with Moreno, you're going to get more value out of Varsho though, because he's going to be your center fielder. That, that was a big talking point we heard out of him heading into next year. Well, maybe not. And I like the idea that they're sitting here saying, well, what can we do to build the best baseball team? Well, not thinking so much about what can we do to put kind of Varsho in the best spot to succeed because we need him to look good. Like the best, the, obviously the best thing this team and this front office can do for headlines and PR is just go win games. But no one player having a big season will be better for them specifically than Varsho having a breakout year next year and this not that it takes away the offensive ability there but it puts him in a lesser position defensively so I like that they're just prioritizing all the right things here with these moves and yeah not sexy but guess what we've also think about the n- the names we've bandied about at third base of your Addison Bargers of the world and you know getting IKF it just allows you to go out there and maybe you make your espinal trade to free up a little money in a roster spot in your 40 man and all that the, it, it just allows you to touch more flexibility so I'm not going to sit here and you know scream uh, uh, how happy I am about it but very pragmatic smart moves that should put them in a better position
0: no there's no move outside of Shohei Ohtani that well know, there was the the Yankees made one yeah sure yeah if you'd gone out and gotten Juan Soto yeah. but once that passed you by there there was no move to to save the this offseason optically so I think Blue Jays did the uh the correct thing, and uh, shifted their focus. All right, when we come back, how confident do you feel in the Leafs making the playoffs? They're now 10th in points percentage. We'll talk about that. Uh, Should Martin Jones get the start in both games in California? And uh, do Canadians in baseball and basketball move the needle for Toronto teams? That and more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.